Vera Payne. Authoritarian leaders tend to be the most feared among their subjects, but they also tend to be the most adored. How is this possible? Assistant Professor and Academic Director at NEMA Business School, Agata Miroska, breaks down this study. Thanks for joining me, Agata. Hi, thanks for having me. So can you give me a summary about your study of fear and tradition? Sure. So we were actually interested in understanding why is it that people appear to be willing to support or to follow what we would think of as bad leaders? So think of people who are pushy and domineering and manipulating and conceited uh, and selfish. And we were really curious what kind of people would be willing to support that kind of leader. And what we find is that it's a combination of perceptions of fear, as you said, perceptions of how dangerous the world around us is, how dangerous society is, and also standing on a specific type of moral intuition, which are called the binding moral foundations. And the binding foundations uh, are a group of three sort of values, respect for authority, respect for and preference for maintaining tradition, and a high value on loyalty to the group. And these three uh, values together put a high value or a high priority on group coherence and well-being. And what we find is that people who have these binding moral foundations that they really want to keep their group together and strong and, uh, and safe, uh, when they feel that the world around them is unsafe, they're more likely to vote or to say that these negative behaviors are actually conducive or indicative of, of a leader. Now, when you conducted the study, did you do it at certain parts of the countries? Was it just the U.S.? Did you do it in Europe? We used actually an American sample, a North American sample, so Canadians uh, and Americans, all over the continent, asking them to fill in a survey, asking their opinion about how dangerous they think the world is around them. We ask them uh, to rate the extent to which certain characteristics are indicative of an effective business leader. And then we also ask them to fill in uh, the moral foundations questionnaire, which is what measures the, the binding uh, moral foundation. Now, you've said all this stuff about how people kind of lean towards their group and then they try to even protect their group, even if their group is wrong. <laughs> But why would somebody do that? I mean, is this a groupthink problem? No, I, I just have to be careful because it's not so much that the group is right or wrong. It's the moral foundations that, that we look at are really a way that people view the world and how they evaluate the value of something. So here we ask them to evaluate uh, the value of certain behaviors or certain characteristics of a leader. And we find that people who have these very strong values for keeping their group coherent and safe. It's not that the group prefers the leader. It's that these people with these sorts of values feel that this is the kind of leader that can best protect my group. And they're willing to say, even if that person is a little bit unpleasant, maybe not someone I'd want to be with one-on-one, -on -one, at a group level, maybe this is what we need, especially because things are dangerous because uh, we feel that the society isn't safe. So when it comes down to it, how did you guys define what a tyrant is, though? That's actually already defined uh, in the literature and in the skills we use for academic research. So we use what's called the implicit leadership questionnaire, and it has 20-something, I think 21, uh, different characteristics that are grouped into different types of leaders. And the one kind of negative uh, profile in there is what we call a tyrannical leader, and that's made up of the traits of being domineering, being pushy, being manipulative, being loud, conceited, and selfish. Oh, that's most politicians. <laughs> <laughs> Well, definitely doesn't sound like someone we'd want to follow. And yet, you know, we can all think of examples of people who clearly display these traits and yet get into power and even flourish. 
why is that? Because you're right. When you start thinking about it, left, right, they same have similar traits. They're ambitious. They're egotistical. Yet we <laughs> vote them in. And it's because we think that they're going to do what we want. And in some cases, we were manipulated. Yeah, well, it's because what our research finds is that it's because people are looking for someone to protect them and to protect their group. And there may be this perspective that, okay, that because that person's willing to be pushy and manipulative and arrogant and uh, self-centered, maybe they can put all those traits to use for all of us rather than just for themselves. Overall, what did you guys want to define from this study? Like, what did you, the bigger picture of it, what was coming from this? Well, really, like I said, we really wanted to understand why do these obviously bad leaders get or, or these negative kind of personalities, or how are they able to get support? Because, of course, all the literature on leadership, either the academic literature or the popular press, talks about being empathetic and compassionate, a good listener, a very caring type of leader. And yet these negative leaders, either whether it's in business or in politics, uh, they're able to gain support. And so we were very curious on why that may be, and we specifically decided to look at uh, the perspective of the follower, because we kind of took the perspective that there is no leadership without followership. Uh, so people define what they consider to be a leader, and we find that a certain subset of people with certain characteristics or with certain beliefs about the world around them, they will see these negative characteristics as emblematic of a leader, of a good leader. I'm kind of surprised that people didn't see themselves in this person. I'm thinking of like Elon Musk, where you have this big imposing figure and a lot of people who follow him on Twitter or any other social media, they do so, do so because they think like, well, he's almost like a mirror-like image of me. I'm kind of shocked people are thinking more of like group benefit. Well, we don't know what they were actually thinking because it's more kind of we were relating their characteristics to their preferences. But it's very interesting you say that because one of the results that we found was that this relationship was particularly strong for men. And the reason that we, we believe that is, is kind of what you said, this idea of men, especially men who may feel anxious about the world around them, who may feel a little bit powerless or helpless, that they can live vicariously through this, quote unquote, tough guy leader, tough uh, person leader, especially when they have this high value on, on protecting the group. And of course, men are supposed to be the protectors and the powerful. And if they feel helpless in some circumstances, then maybe they're even more willing to throw their support behind the, the tyrannical leader, feeling like they're, at least they're doing something, at least they're helping, they're, they're supporting the person that can, that can help their group. Wow, that's amazing. Were you surprised by your findings? Pleasantly surprised, I guess. Like I said, a lot of the previous research sort of says that people follow negative leaders because there's something wrong with them, either because they have low self-esteem, they have unfulfilled needs, maybe they have a self-enhancement motive, thinking that if they follow the, the, the mean, the bad leader, there'll be some benefit, personal benefit to them. And what our research finds is that actually it's not the case. What, what some of us would see as a bad decision to support a, a negative leader can actually come from people's attempts and intentions to do what's good or to do what's right in the way that they think is appropriate. Now, I love these type of studies just in general because people find so much interesting facts. But when it comes down to it, what could the general public take from it? Well, the first thing they just said is just really recognizing that people may follow a leader that we disagree with, not because of some kind of personal benefit or personal deficit, sorry, 
but because of the way that they see the world and because of what they see as being more important. So we may see the negative leader as, or I may see the negative leader as someone who's really unpleasant, and I don't want that person in charge of my team or my country or my company. Uh, but someone else may look at it differently and think, well, yeah, but this is the person that can protect our team or our company or our, our country, and therefore that's who we need. And we talk a little bit in the article that one of the ways to try and overcome this is to not put as much weight or put, put these tough guy leaders up on a pedestal. Despite how much we talk about compassionate leaders and caring leaders, I think we still have a tendency in society at large, uh, especially I think North American society, given sort of the culture of North America, to, to idolize these strong, tough guys, often leaders, as really emblematic of what a leader should be and the kind of person we want to be uh, or the kind of person we want in charge. And the more that we idolize and put those up on a pedestal, the more we sort of reinforce this belief that that's the kind of leader that we need. So I think starting to put other kinds of leadership into the spotlight, starting for more female leaders, especially in the spotlight, would overcome a little bit of that stereotype, that bias to try and show that there are also other leadership types that can also be protected without necessarily engaging in these very negative traits. And you know what else I like about this study is that it really put my mind in a perspective where I'm not comfortable because I thought to myself, you have to be compassionate for the other side because you don't know which one you're on. <laughs> Exactly. And that's uh, what's really interesting about the model that we use, the moral foundations, because it it identifies these sort of five different foundations, but groups into these two categories. But it very clearly recognizes there isn't a right and a wrong. Right. And what the approach is, is basically that I have certain things that I think are important when I judge whether something is right or wrong, when I judge a leader, and you may have different things. And I may just not realize that your criteria are important, just like you don't realize my criteria are important. But it doesn't mean that either one of us is necessarily right or wrong. And odds are we're both making decisions based on what we think is right and important. Just in some cases, it leads to decisions that others may disagree with, like supporting certain types of leaders. Well, thank you, Agatha. I really appreciate you being here. And for those listening, where can they find more information about you and this study? So you can get more information about me and my research uh, on the website for Neoma Business School, that's N-E-O-M-A. And our study was recently published in the Journal of Business Ethics. This has been the Mason Vera Payne Show. Thanks for listening. Can't wait to hear more? Head to WGNRadio.com for exclusive content by Mason. Also, follow Mason on Facebook and Twitter at Mason Vera Payne, that's all one word, and don't forget to share the show with your friends.